This story was recorded on November 17, 2018, at a storytelling festival at the Connecticut Valley Tobacco Museum. The views expressed are those of the storyteller, not the museum. Do you want to tell me your name and where you're from? My name is Richard Niedorfer. I am. I live here in Windsor, uh, Connecticut. I am born and raised nutmegger here in Connecticut. Um, and, uh, you know, I've lived here in Windsor off and on since 1962. So how did you get involved in the tobacco industry? My father was a dairyman working for Joe Thrall. We lived on the farm. And when I turned 14, it was a way to make money. I grew up on a farm. I lived on a farm all my li- most of my life. And so I was used to the work, and it was a way to make money at that time. So I turned 14, which is 1965. I became I came a, a worker in the fields in tobacco. And it's, they all hired me. I did a little bit of everything. Uh, they thought I was too small to work the fields, so I got sent to the shed, working in the sheds, cleaning up uh, after the sowers and everything else. And I graduated to fixing all the sewing machines. I was a mechanic. Then to hanging. I did a little bit of everything in the shed, hanging, bringing in baskets, carrying, and I, then I became a shed boss. So what was the day in your life like working in tobacco? Getting Being up and out of the house at 6 o'clock in the morning to be at the garage for the thralls at 6.30 to catch the bus or at first, then I became a driver of the bus to picking up the kids to bring them to wherever shed they were working on. That was the beginning of the day. Then it was very busy during the day between the tractors coming in with the, uh, the baskets, um, unloading, uh, making sure the sowers were, and were doing everything that they were supposed to be doing and they were doing it right. Um, I learned even to sew, even though that was, well, see, I'm not trying to be sexist, but it was a woman's job, but we, a lot of us knew how to sew, and we, and we helped out and learned. It's fixing the machines, that was a good way to learn. And, uh, and then working out, working out, working all, all day from moving, the shed was finished, moving from one shed, all the sewing machines from one shed to another, um, if it wasn't busy and they weren't getting enough tobacco in the, in the shed, I, a lot of us got sent out to the fields. As I got older, I did a little bit of everything. It depended on the time of year uh, in the summer. Before they started sewing, I put up top cloth, irrigation pipe, side cloth. As I said, we did a little bit of everything. When the tobacco got bigger, I strung tobacco, um, and I picked, 
suckered, did whatever was needed. And then by the time he came home, you were tired at the end of the day. <laughs> you were beat. And getting a good shower, getting the tar off your hands uh, was something that uh, was primary. But being growing up on the farm, there were 11 of us in my family. And we all had worked and had one bathroom, one shower. And so you ought to stand in line for it. But it was, it was good. We, as again, we grew up on a farm. We, that's all we knew was the farm life. And my grandparents were involved in, in up in Enfield in tobacco. I was really young from what I was told and what I remember. So this, my father was always a dairyman, taking care of the cows. So this was natural progression, if you can say that, for me and for the rest of the fam- uh, for the rest of us. I still have a brother that works for the Thralls, uh, for Joe Thrall hmm. over there. So, Did you imagine that you would go into farming yourself? It was a thought. My father worked for my great, uh, from a great, my great uncle, uh, Raymond Abbey, up in Enfield, on Abbey Road. And he, my father was supposed to have a chance to run the farm when he uh, when retired. And he was going to, my father went to take out a loan, found out that my uncle had sold the land. <coughs> if, and that's why we end up moving, we had to move. He sold it for development. And if that hadn't happened, my father had a chance to run the farm and make a go of it, I probably would have stayed there and worked and worked on that. It was again. It was a good. It was a good life. It may have been our was good life when we were for us when we were growing up. Everybody says you must have been very poor. We didn't know what that that was. It was we had a big family, a lot of hustle bustle, especially around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, but I might I, I might have had a shot at it at doing that, but. Once we moved, we moved here to Windsor. <coughs> Excuse me. And I am working for, and after high school, I went to UConn and graduated from there and uh, and, and went to work. But I and went to work uh, for the state after that. But we, um, <coughs> now we're from the time I was 14, right through high school, right through college. Um, and even after that, full time to for about fifteen, about sixteen, seventeen years, hmm. I worked. I did. I did everything. Can you think of any stories that really defined for you the experience of working in tobacco? That's a tough question. <laughs> That's a tough question. I uh, said so there are a lot of stories. Um. You know, as far as as far as uh, I remember, not maybe defined, but I remember that when the hurricane, when the tornado in 1979 hit in Pequannock, I was taking tobacco down a shed up here on Kennedy Road at three o'clock. They told everybody get out of the shed. We didn't know what was going on. That was something, but whether that was a defining moment, I met my ex-wife. She was, I was, she was my uh, 
they, she it was a summer worker from Florida, and I was a shed boss. So, and uh, we were married for twenty years. Oh, uh, that that was that was a fine moment. If it hadn't been for the tobacco, I wouldn't have met her. Mm. Was there a sense of community then when you were working in tobacco that you got to kind of socialize and hang out with other workers? Yes. With the thralls, they had, they hired work summer workers, men and women from Florida, and they also had local help from Windsor and the surrounding area. They had three dormitories for the kids on on right on the the home area grounds, the cafeteria, kitchen, and after work we'd go. We'd we pick up softball games, basketball. We play, go to other camps. Uh, we'd have set up soft, some of the guys that softball games or basketball games with other camps. They had dances, and we were right down the road, so we got to go up and socialize and visit. And um, you know, during the summer they had, and when they went to town, my parents didn't have any vehicles for to go to town. When they, when they went to town, I got to go to town with them. If we went to Enfield or wherever they went to the shopping, they'd take a bus one day, one night a week, and um, I got to go with them. So you got to know for, for them. And again, my ex was a Florida girl. So we got to know... Um, I got to know a lot of people and have still have a lot of friends from Florida that I stay in contact with over the years. Hmm. So you sense the community? Yeah, there, there, there was. There was an, 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 at, with after work, uh, with stuff going on, there was, there, there was a lot of, uh, it was hayride. It was always, it was always a hayride for the end of the summer that they went on that we were all in, and uh, invited to, <coughs> excuse me, but. Can you maybe reflect as someone who's lived in town your whole life how the tobacco industry has changed? It's changed that there's no more shade tobacco. When I started, they hired, they were hiring Jamaicans who had their green cards for the summer. Then it would go to very good workers. And now that's just doing help from local, I mean from Hartford, or people that come uh, who've been here before and come and work. But the shade, the shade tobacco's gone. It's a shame, <coughs> but it's they're not. It's a shame that it's gone. But now, you know, nobody's growing shade anymore. I think. I just, from talking to somebody earlier, there's just one farm maybe growing a few acres of shade up in maybe Massachusetts. He said, I'm not sure. But they're still growing a little bit of broadleaf. It doesn't, the expense is not quite as much. Um, but anybody in my, that I went to high school with, or my, I should say my era, that when I went, we all worked in tobacco, and for if not for the thralls, some for Kendrick, first for, for the Browns. 
some from Cobro. It it depended on on the on your family, <coughs> on who you uh, on your family and who you who you knew, who you associate. We worked for the thr- my father worked for the Thralls. So we did other people live right near where the Browns lived or the Kendricks. They worked for them, and they, so they worked. It was easy to walk to where they were and work for them. Mm-hmm. But you know, they were, we got to know, um, we got to make a lot of friends who've over the, who stayed over the period of time. Uh, that, but it change, change is that shade is gone and down. It's, they can grow it cheaper in other areas of the world. Um, Broadleaf, there's not much of a call. So some of the farms, like Thraws, are trying to reinvent themselves with, you know, growing malt for beer and stuff like that. Uh, they're, and I guess there's a big call for the craft beers for the bar- barley and the hops for it. Oh, okay. Hmm. So... But they and growing, pick your own apples and and things like this. Trying to keep the farm going, and that's uh, a lot. That that's a lot. What I have to say. But going downhill, shade. It's a shame. It's a shame that is is past its time because in its heyday it was. Because again, the Connecticut River Valley is one of the richest growing areas in the world. Only 25 miles wide. But you can't, but what you can grow and what it is is one of the richest areas in the world. So, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that for it. But um, my life is just, is, is, is colored by a lot, a lot of it because I still remember things, things that happened, what the daily life was like, uh, friends I've made. Um, you know, you, you you can't you can't take that away. Is, is you have all these memories, you have all these memories, what you have. Cool. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share, or is that? No. Uh, you have any more qu- questions you'd like to ask? Because I said the stories. I have pictures. I have pictures that I they're black and white taken with the kids, had, four girls out at lunch eating in their lunch of what before they had the conveyor belt in the shed, they had the <clears throat> dragging hooks. You drag the baskets outside into the shed. That was a pain in the butt. And doing, um, I in the farm life I miss. You know, this was, and at this point, and life is something I you know I can't do anymore. Uh, I still enjoy talking about it and wish I could do do more. But when I see the fields, all the poles and tents. Poles and uh, wires and everything being taken down from the fields. It just ramps it home that this is a past way of life. We're not, unfortunately, we're not going to see again. 
I'd like to, but you know, it's not going to. Was there anything more you want to ask? No, I was just happy to hear your your story. So thank you for sharing them with me. Yeah. Well, I hope it was. I mean, I'm not used to doing something like this. It was great. It was oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.